This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So, so this is the beginning of our series called Speak. And I love the idea that, that words really matter. I'm, I'm a bit of a word junkie. Like, I really like language. I think language tells us a lot about life, tells us a lot about what's important, tells us a lot about what matters. You know, even just a little thing, and I worked into the prayer, like before Christianity was called a religion or a church or a denomination, you know what it was called? The way. Isn't that kind of cool? It was the way. It was, was, wasn't like the answer to all problems or anything like that. It was just, no, this is, this is the way to walk through life. Some days are filled with light on that journey. Some days are incredibly dark. And regardless, we can find ways to walk in that way. Understanding, and I say this a lot, but it's so important, that words create worlds. Can we say that together? Words create worlds. That's so true, especially if you're a compulsive complainer, and I know I can be that way too. We'll create a world that looks that way, and, and that's, that's true in small ways. It's true in big ones as well. I remember years ago hearing a Holocaust survivor interviewed, and they were talking about the conversation with their grandchild, and their grandchild was asking them, well, like, how did this all start? It all started with words. Interesting. It all started with words. That's how creation even starts on the positive side of the ledger. Like it talks about God speaking worlds into existence. So that's what we're going to try to do in, in, in ways that, that I know will be imperfect, but, but to try to understand what does that all mean. I'm going to step over here for a minute. I think what we want to start to look at today is that we can come into a conversation with the belief that my job is to say it in an angry voice. My job is to argue. Or my job is to understand. I think many times we come into conversations and, and we are all ready to go. How many of you have well-rehearsed arguments before you even have the conversation? Right? Welcome to the car ride to dinner. You know, we've played it over in our heads a million times. But I want you folks to understand this. Please let these words go into your soul. Some things are too important to argue about. Some things are too important to argue about. You know, we talk a lot in life about, about experience. And if, and if, if in our lives we're, we want to learn from experience, we have to learn to have different experiences. If this is the only experience we have, this is all we'll know. So how can we actually have a different experience, a different experience that's much more about understanding? I was thinking this morning, you know, fine-tuning the sermon early and, and thinking about, like, well, what would it look like? And I think understanding looks like a beautiful mixing bowl. My wife has gotten into making sourdough bread. I married well. It's really good stuff. And just to watch her knead that bread is, is just it's beautiful to watch. And there's just something to that about, like, yeah, that's what this is. I think, I think arguing would be, and I didn't bring it in, but if I had two sort of black, ugly blenders that made a lot of noise... That may be the way arguing would look like as a kitchen implement. But we're asked to shift 
to this. Very different. Very hard to do. I want to talk a bit, looking at this next slide, about why I think this is so hard to do. I think, first off, it's, it's a reminder that it really does matter that we do it. Our lives begin to end the day we are silent about the things that matter. So, so this is not a conversation about like swallowing your perspective or forgetting that there are ideals out there in the world. There are, and our job is to speak to them, but not argue about them. To speak to them in a way that creates understanding, in a way that creates growth. That's hard to do because we have this basic process that takes place. That process, as we look at it, as we see about how it works, is how do we move to this, that idea that love was talking. There's a beautiful piece of new church theology from a book titled Heaven and Hell, and it says it was Emanuel Swedenborg, who to us is what Martin Luther is to Lutherans. He's talking to this person, and this person said he was so moved by what the angel said, he burst into tears, saying he couldn't help it because love was talking. And I think that's where we want to go. We want to go to that point where we understand that, that love was talking. That love was talking. To do that, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a process there. In this day and age, I, I think we talk a lot about safe places. Right? How many of us have heard that phrase? Safe place. I think safe places is a good, but, but and I think this is going to be a little controversial what I'm about to say. Don't stop just at safe places to have conversations. Because what's the safest place for me is hanging out with people who think exactly like I do, eating pizza at Bertucci's. That's a very safe place. Is that limited, folks? Yes or no? Yes. See, and and, and I I hear people say, no, we have to create safe places, have to create safe places. I'm like, yes, yes, and no. (laughs) I want you to think about this. What if we create and can envision courageous places? What if we can create and envision courageous places? Places where actually we dare to understand. I think we can do that. It takes courage, though. I mean, it, it, it takes beyond just, just moving. And that's one of the challenges, I think, is, is we can, uh, you know, so sort of pull our, our, our universe of meaning down to these small little pods that are very comfortable where we don't invite in those other perspectives that might actually challenge us. But that's not really understanding. And the only time we, we engage those other perspectives are when we're trying to argue not when we're trying to understand. When we're trying to argue, when we're not trying to necessarily understand. I love this little piece of chalk drawing. Pretty simple. Love one another. Like just that idea of, of regardless of how this goes, how do we learn to love one another? Well, loving one another is, is understanding, folks, that, that we get triggered. We get triggered all the time. I want to step over to this carpet over here and talk about triggers. 
my ego really, and I hope I'm not the only one who could say this, my ego really doesn't care what other people think. <laughs> my ego just believes it has the full solution to the world. My ego believes that if everyone lived like me, the world would somehow be perfect. That's what our ego does. And then it does all kinds of other things too. But, but that's, that's so much the part of where our ego comes from. In the new church, we refer to that as the pride of self-intelligence. In other words, I become very proud of how intelligent I am, how, how I somehow have gotten the secret code. Unfortunately, no one else has. And that part of me, and it's not the real me, I want to be clear about that. That's a false self. That's a shadow. That's not who we actually are. That's really hell talking to us, blah, 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 blah. But that part can get triggered as well. Just a few things that people can say, and all of a sudden, I'm triggered. How many of us have a sibling who is expert at triggering us? Right? We do. You know, just those few little words that can just, just kind of die right there. One author I really enjoy referred to those as scissors. Scissors. The scissor is a statement, an idea, or a scenario that's somehow perfectly calibrated to tear people apart. Not just by generating disagreement but by generating total incredulity that somebody could possibly disagree with your interpretation of the controversy, followed by escalating fury and paranoia and polarization until the debate itself seems like a completely existential win or perish fight. Does a comment come to mind with that? You know, that's big, and it also leads to the plan words, don't play with scissors. I can remember, you know, outside of, you know, coming out of New Church Live one time, and this, this thankfully doesn't happen that often, but it was just, it was, it was somebody who, who, who didn't like the sermon. And um, somebody who was just visiting New Church Live, and, and they were talking to me about our, our particular theology, and they said, well, well, you must believe even, and then she filled in a name of a religious denomination, you must believe even blank can get saved then. Oh my goodness. You ever knew, you know when you move from fire ready, when, when aim ready fire to fire ready aim? Right? Please say yes. <laughs> I, it was fire, baby. You know, like that, that just was like this instant, like, ah, oh, just, ah. Oh. It was a scissor statement to me. Now, when those things happen, which are we more likely to do, to argue or to see, see, search for understanding? Which one? argue clearly, right? It wasn't a great interaction. <laughs> she didn't go to lunch with the pastor next week. <laughs> when, we, when we do that, folks, we move backwards. You guys are tracking here, so, so I want you to understand this completely because I think God's trying to tell us something here. So I said, safety, we have to move out of safe places to courageous places into daring to understand. When somebody offers a triggering statement, 
which one of those three places do I most want to go to? Safety, courage, daring to understand. Which one of three do I most want to run to? Safety. I want to just, I want to find my tribe, just be with my tribe, conversation over. Please leave now. <laughs> All that is doing is coming back over here. Folks, arguing is a safe place. Arguing is a safe place. Daring to understand is a courageous place. Now, we, of course, don't do that perfectly. I, I fully get this New York Times cartoon. I'm sorry, Jeannie, your answer was correct, but Kevin, Kevin shouted his incorrect answer over years, so he gets the points. I think we get into that, right? Like, who's loudest somehow wins. But as the band comes out, as the band comes out for a middle song here, I'm going to ask you, what are you going to dare to do? What is the dare here? What's the dare around understanding? What's the dare around opening up? What's the dare around moving beyond argument? What's, what's the dare around, around moving beyond just a safe place? I think that's so much of what we're called to. When we come back after this song, I want to talk about the ways Jesus talks about that and the ways we can take his words and move them into our lives here in 2019. I love that idea, right, of, of, of daring to move and, and daring to speak. Like, how do we speak? This next slide. How do we move from safe places to courageous places to daring to understand? Because just, just imagine that the, that the world, that, that, that we allowed God to work in our lives, through our lives in such a way that, that we understood and, and we were around people and we ourselves were, were just, were love talking. You know, love was talking. Is love strong and fierce sometimes? Please say yes. <laughs> Yes. We're not talking nostalgic, ooey-gooey love. That's nice, too. But we're talking about, like, love was talking, and there's, there's a strength there, and there's this under, undergirding of love. And, and all of you right now know someone. Like, all of you know someone who does that for you. Who, who any time they talk, it's just like, oh, yeah, love was talking. We may not necessarily even... even um, I remember it was an intellectual insight, but somehow love was talking. Can I, can I share a little story with you? It was a story I just was sharing with my mom yesterday. I was blessed with an amazing grandfather. Some of you know this. The funny part of it, his name was Charlie Brown. Like, it's a funny part of that. Look at me. You know, his name was Charlie Brown. Um, and and I, one time I went in, this is towards the end of his life, and it was just all fit to be tied over this particular church thing and just really upset about people who saw things a different way than me. And, and you know, so Grandpa was my safe place. He was the guy who was, like, saw things the way I did. So, of course, I want to go back and complain to him because, you know, want to complain about the same things. And he got a little teary, and this is towards the end of his life. And he, he called me Charlie. He said, Charlie... Maybe God needs them to see it that way. Maybe God needs them to see it that way. 
other experiences I've had. Like, sometimes people do have a different view of God than me. And then you find out that they struggled with an addiction that almost cost them their life. And then you realize, oh, they actually needed a warrior God. Not the same kind of God I needed, but but they needed a view of God. And it's, and it's still like, that's, that's the beauty of God, is the beauty of God is that, that God is multifaceted. It's, it's a diamond with many cuts on it that, 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 that shines in different ways for different people, but it's still the same diamond. I don't need to argue. I need to understand. I need to come from love, the love that God has given me to see it a certain way and the passion God has given me around seeing it that certain way. And that love has to include room for other people. I think that's the kind of language that gets blessed as the psalmist said, may these words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. And isn't that interesting, right? doesn't say may these words of my mouth and the genius of my little human brain. It said may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart, of my heart, be pleasing in your sight. Beautiful line. That movement, folks, from safe places to courageous places then matters. A, a safe place is, is a place where, ready for this, I already know the answer. I already know the answer. I know I'm right. And a safe place has no risks to it. Now, now there's nothing wrong with, again, I want to be clear, like, uh, we want to have safe places in our life. We clearly do. They're absolutely critical. They're almost foundational, I would say. So it's not about getting rid of those. It's just, it's just understanding that they are what they are, and they're limited in the ways they're limited, and they're blessed in the ways they're blessed. A courageous place is a place where I might just be wrong. I might just not fully understand. It's a place, I think, of great risk. As we move away from arguing to understanding. Anytime we move away from safety, we move towards risk. And life is going to have those risks to it. And we're called, we're called as Christians to lean in to those risky places. Of course, we need models for that. We need to understand ways to do that. So, so I want to share with you one way I think that, that Jesus would give us to, to look at this. I love these words from Martin Luther King again, daring to understand. What we need when we dare to understand is a tender heart and a tough mind. This is one of those ones. For those of you here for the first time, you're more than welcome to take a picture with your phone during the, during the chapel service. This is one I would take a picture of. A tender heart and a tough mind. Christ is neither hard-hearted nor soft-minded. He's tough-minded enough to transcend the world. He's tender-hearted enough to live in it. I want to read that last line again. He is tough-minded enough to transcend the world. He's tender-hearted enough to live in it. 
It's not about kind of soupy thought. It's, it's about, no, we, we really have thought and we, we want to engage and we're, we're engaging from a place of knowing something more than just our opinion. We have a tough mind. We have a rigorous thought pattern around things. And we also have a tender heart. Like the two come together. Yeah, it's a paradox. But we all know people who can do this. We're all blessed with at least a handful of people who can somehow do this. Let me give you an example. Here's a tender-hearted piece from the word. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives it, but as I give it. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It's a beautiful passage, right? You can just... You can just you can see the tenderness, and I want to say that again, and, and, and this time, folks, like I want you to think about a place right now in your life that's just tender today, you know, just tender. So let's take a little breath. And I just want you to practice full body listening here. So read it one more time. I want you to hear Christ's tender-hearted words here. Peace. Shalom, I leave with you my peace. Shalom, I give to you. Not as the world gives it, but as I give it. Please, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That's that tender-hearted place. And then there's also this fun other place that's, that's tough-minded, like it's, it's rigorous. It, it gets you to think. I want to share with you a tough-minded statement from, from Jesus. And, and this one, we are so lucky. This one is going to be read to us the whole way from Mexico. Is that cool or what? In front of a chapel that was built in 15-something. So this is Craig McArdle. He's part of a group of people who watches us every week out from Michigan. He's on a business trip to Mexico. I said, Craig, do a little video for me. And he said, yes. So Craig's going to read us this next passage, and I want you to hear, like, the tough-minded part of this. Take a look what Craig has to say here. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother or your sister's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your sibling, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. <laughs> Could we get a big thank you, Craig? Thank you, Craig. Now, I realize to the young adults in the audience, that is like nothing spectacular. To me, that is bizarre. We could have somebody from Mexico do a little video, send it to me on their phone, and here they are joining us. That idea, you can see the tough-minded part in those words. Like, he's not mincing any words here. Why do you look at what's in your brother's eye, and you're not looking at your, in your sister's eye, and not looking at what you got going? Like, here's a little saying for you. When God dies... He's going to ask you about your sins, not about mine. You know, just think about that for a minute, right? How can you say to your sibling, let me take this out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see? Next slide. 
hypocrite. First take what's blocking your sight, and then we'll see clearly to help other people would be the way I would say that. See, we see that tender-hearted as well as that tough-minded thing coming together again and again and again. And we see here, folks, again, this, this basic process of daring to understand and trying to understand the other and trying to understand at the same time what God is asking of us in this life. With understanding others, that first part, this is, this is really a tricky one, I think. It's, it's not easy to do. And I want to share this with you. And, and you know, as a pastor, words can escape us sometimes, can escape me sometimes. And I feel like I'm going to offer these words, and, and for a few of you, it's exactly why you're here today, is to hear this. For some of you, it, it may not quite fit, but I think the words are valuable. The words, the words are this, in terms of daring to understand other people. And they get back to that passage that, that Craig read. So when we go into a conversation, I certainly do, I certainly imagine some of you do too. We go into a conversation, and I'm either thinking, do I believe what this person's saying or not believe it? Or do I agree with what they're saying or not agree with it? How many of us have that little sorting mechanism going on? Right? Agree, disagree, uh, you know, just coming from that angle of agree. Do I agree, disagree, do I believe, not believe what they're saying? But what if we flip? Okay? So I'm used to standing in this place, all right, which means my vision's a little cloudy. I say, all right, I got to get rid of that cloudy vision to step into a new place. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to join them in their experience. That's really big. And I don't know whether my words capture it. Instead of right, wrong, agree, disagree, let me join them in their experience. That, that is not easy to do. You know, our, our you know, I'm a, a father of five. Many of our are wonderful. I mean, I'm just blessed with, can my ego speak for a second? I, I know your kids are great. Mine are better. Um, I just kept the world's best kids. How many of us feel that way? Please say, I do. You know, yeah, absolutely. Like, we all have the best kids. Hallelujah. I just think I got the best kids. And, and you know, having this conversation with them. And, you know, when, when your kids get into their, their, their later years, there comes a time where it's totally appropriate for them to say where you missed as a parent. Does that feel necessarily good? No. Is it completely necessary? Yes. So, so I, I can, you know, I have been part of hearing that before, and I can come, well, believe, disbelieve, or agree, disagree. I could come to it for that. Or I could just join them in the experience. Because that allows me to be imperfect too. If I'm agreeing, disagreeing. Believing, not believing. All we're going to end up with is which one of those two? Argue. That's it. But I can join them in their experience. 
Because when I go, I want my kids to know this. That love was talking. Of course, everything's imperfect. No parent is perfect. No pastor's perfect. No anything is perfect. But we can choose that basic idea around love was talking, and we can, and we can find ways to rejoice in that. Now, I think as well, we get to look at, to go back to that slide one more time, we get to look at also understanding the other, understanding what God wants. I don't think the two are easily divided. I'll, I'll, I'll say that up first. I think, I think they're actually very close to being the same. And I think the way that happens, folks, is if we just focus on these two words, the next time we come into a challenging conversation, challenging kind of speech, I think what God wants and reminds us all the time, be present. Be present. Find a way to just be present. I'm going to step back over here for a minute. All I'm present to here is my own thoughts and my own hurts and my own beliefs. What I'm present to here is healing. What I'm present to here is healing. There's a way that things can mix and blend and grow into, into, into something that is amazing, a way that we can understand each other more and more, a way we can remember, folks, that some things are just too important to argue about. As you go into the week ahead, as you go into the way the week will look for you. Please think of the single word, speak. Speak. Take the courage to speak. Don't just take the courage to argue. Take the courage to speak in a way that you know that love is talking. Speak with the courage that knows that love is listening. When you're in that hard conversation and every single ounce of your body is going argue, argue, argue. These are your points. Your honor, I object. Be present. Be present. That gets what's in our eye out of it. That helps us to see the other. Please listen carefully. And that, my dear, dear friends, 
is what your families need, and most importantly, what the world needs. As the fire alarm goes off, amen. I'd ask you now to please join me in a prayer. I'm going to say a prayer, then you'll have a moment to say the Lord's Prayer as you know it, to have a moment of quiet reflection or a moment of your own silent prayer. So please join me. Lord, today we join you with a wish. We join you with a wish. Lord, allow a wish to stir in our hearts, a wish that comes close to that deep, heartfelt yearning, that daring to understand, that moves us beyond argument into a place where we're actually willing to ask the question, what am I not seeing? Help me to understand. Even the simplest piece of could you explain that again? Help us, Lord, as well to have stirred in our hearts a wish, a wish for those in pain today to see light, to see you, to see each other. Help us as well, Lord, with a wish today that we can be part of the healing of the world, the Jewish tradition, tikkun olam, the restoration of the world. And wish today, wish with all our might that we just do today a little bit better than yesterday, that we love a little more, connect a little more, move forward in the way, in your name, just a little more. Bless this congregation, Lord. Allow them to have a week held tenderly by you. Allow them to have a week, Lord, where more and more they come in to who they truly are. In your name, this Sunday, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 